Hello, welcome to TNT. We're certainly delighted and elated that the Lord has allowed for you to join us for another opportunity to study the Word of God. And we thank God for each and every one of you who may be logging on to one of our various platforms to seek and sense what it is that the Lord would desire for you to know, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me, before we get started as far as our lesson is concerned, just share something that I gathered when I was on a webinar dealing with Bible software. And it blew my mind when it comes to making disciples and the Word of God having a major impact upon our lives. Here it is. The presenter was sharing with us, we were doing a Bible training for Logos Bible software, which is the main Bible software that I use for research and development as far as my sermons are concerned. The presenter on the webinar said this particular statistic uh, comes to grip those who are serious about the word of God. And what he said blew my mind. He said that if you read the word of God once a week, there's not much change or impact. If you read the word of God twice a week, there's not much change or impact. If you open your Bible and read the word of God three times a week, there's not much change or impact. However, he said that if you open and read the word of God at least four times a week, that you will see a significant shift, a significant change as far as your life is concerned <clears throat> because you're in the word of God with greater consistency. That the word of God does not make a major impact on our lives unless we are in the word four or more times a week blew my mind, messed me up. And I now understand why a lot of churches and why a lot of people who attend church don't necessarily grow and have a transformative experience because they're not in the word with great consistency. I want to encourage you, if you're watching me right now, and let's be honest, I think I can say this without hesitation or mental reservation, that most people do not open up their Bibles four times a week. We might open it up during this time for Bible study, or we might open it up maybe for Sunday school, or we might open it up during the preaching moment, but rarely do the great vast majority of people who attend church, those who claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, are in the word four or more times a week, devotionally. I want to encourage you, those that are listening to me right now, to open up your Bible, read your Bible devotionally at least four or more times a week and watch the impact that the Word of God will have on your life and your well-being. This is what the psalmist when he talked about meditating on the word of God day and night. In essence, there has to be great consistency. And so I want to throw out this challenge right now 
for those that are watching. And I want to encourage you, uh, let's expand our access into the Word and not just read it during Bible study or on Sunday morning or Sunday school, but from a devotional perspective, spend at least four days doing devotional reading and prayer and watch the Word of God have an impact on your life. Well, I want to at this time have a word of prayer as we sense and seek what God wants to do. We're going to start today on Philippians chapter 4 at verse 6, and we're going to go through verse 9. We want to lift up four verses for your reading today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to study your word, to learn more of thee. We ask that the Holy Spirit, our ultimate teacher, our master rabbi, will come and teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Show yourself mighty and strong, O God. Open up the word of God to our minds, our eyes, and our hearts so that we can see, comprehend, and apply what you desire for us to know and to do. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 6 through verse 9, these four verses are going to be the focus for our time of study today. And I want to be intentional about what I want you to highlight. So let's go ahead and let's do what I would call the deep dig or the deep dive as far as the word of God is concerned. Verse 6 and I'm reading from the New King James Version of Scripture. Be anxious for nothing. I want you to highlight the word, be anxious. But everything by prayer and supplication, circle prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, I want you to circle the word thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. I want you to underline, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, underline the phrase, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, underline the phrase, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I want you to circle the word guard, highlight the word hearts and mind. <clears throat> Look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, circle the word true. Whatsoever things are noble, circle the word noble. Whatsoever things are just, circle the word just. Whatsoever things are pure, circle the word pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, circle the word lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report, circle the words of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, meditate on these things. Highlight the phrase, meditate on these things. Then verse 9. Things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Highlight that whole verse. <clears throat> Highlight that whole verse. So let's start doing some, some work on Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 6. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. <clears throat> be anxious for nothing. The word anxious in this particular text basically means 
Don't worry about anything. All right? Now, Paul's appeal to the Philippians about not being anxious for anything is not a call to be carefree. Okay? Um, to care and genuinely be concerned is one thing. But to worry is something else. Okay? So Paul is not talking about living a carefree life where anything goes. But Paul is saying, I don't want you to be consumed by worry. Now, why is it that Paul tells us that he don't want us to be consumed by worry? Because when we think about the word worry, the word worry means to have a mind that is divided between two outcomes, a possible negative and a possible positive one. Okay? So, really what you are dealing with when you worry, you're dealing with a split mind. You're dealing with a split mind. Now, I want to dare say that worry is something that the devil brings into our lives. And Satan loves it when followers of Jesus Christ are caught up in worry. Because he knows it prevents certain things from happening. Okay? So when we worry, it impacts what I call the four W's of our life. First of all, worry will negatively affect your worship. It is impossible to worry and worship God at the same time. Because if we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth, then we can't have our minds to be divided. And if worry means that I have a divided mind between a possible negative and a possible positive outcome, then basically, if I'm worrying, I'm not focused on God. So I can't worship God if I'm worried about things that are happening in my life. So that's the first W, worship, worship. The next W is our witness. When we worry, it becomes difficult to lead people to Jesus Christ. I mean, when people see you looking sad and pitiful and pathetic and sorry and just, ugh, why would they want to follow your Jesus? Why would they want to know who your Savior is? Okay? So worry impacts our witness. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that whenever something negative happens in your life, I'm not saying that if you lose a loved one that you should be smiling with glee and joy and all that. No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when we worry, it causes a major negative disposition in our personality that others see. And watch this. Most of the time, the things that we are worried about rarely come to pass. Okay? So worry affects our worship. Worry affects our witness. Worry also affects our work. It has great impact upon our work. In other words, when you worry, you can't do the assignment that God has given you. You can't carry out your job to its full fruition. All right? So, so when I'm worried, I'm more focused on what the outcome of a situation is going to be rather than the task that is at hand. And so if I don't do the task that is at hand, 
uh, then my work is not being done. And when my work is not being done, then guess what? I'm having impact negatively in the setting that I am working. So guess what? When you worry, you don't work, you might lose your job. <laughs> worry can lead to job loss. Okay? All right? So worry affects our work. But then it also affects our wisdom. It affects our wisdom. Um, uh, when you worry, you tend to forget all that God has done for you. You tend to forget all the good things that God has brought your way uh, because you're looking at your situation far worse than what it really is. So when you are worried, when you allow for worry to consume you, to plague you, to put you in a deep, dark place, then worry will cloud your judgment and it will cause you not to focus on the goodness that God has allowed for you to experience. And what you wind up doing is when you worry, these are the words you are, you, you are, you are saying. God ain't never done so and so, so and so for me. I'm always catching it. I'm always going through trouble. I, I, I never get a break. And that ain't true. In other words, we over-exaggerate. And, and that's what happens when we worry. So be anxious for nothing. But then there's another phrase that Paul says. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to who? To God. So Paul is saying that the remedy for your worry is prayer and worship. Right. Paul is exhorting them to pray instead of worrying. Pray with thanksgiving, trusting God. Now, there, there are four words that I want to lift up here that really describes our relationship with God. And, and it's right there in the B clause of verse 6. Follow the flow. First of all, prayer. Prayer. That is our approach to God. That is our communication with God. That is us talking to God. It, 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 it is how we come to God through prayer. The other one is supplication. Word supplication, another word for supplication is petition. Okay, petition. That means requesting an answer to a specific need. In other words, God ain't got no problem with you asking God for what you need. So this is why Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything by your communion with God, through prayer, asking God for what you need, let your what? Request be made known. But he says something else in the middle of all that. Thanksgiving. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let me say it again. With thanksgiving. That's the attitude of the heart that should always accompany your prayer. 
In other words, when you and I pray, when you and I bring our petitions before God, it ought to be done with a spirit of thanksgiving, of gratitude, not attitude. Okay? Gratitude, not attitude, because we do know, let's be honest, there are some of us when we pray, we are praying with a funky attitude. And I want to let you know, don't come to God with a funky attitude, come to God with gratitude. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving. And let your requests be made known. Speak definite, specific things that you need. Don't do these, what I call um, uh, general prayers. Be specific. Be intentional. That, that's what Paul is saying. If you're going to pray, let the Lord know what you need. Do it with thanksgiving and be what? Specific. Now, let, 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 let me drop this on you. Let me drop this on you. If you're going to worry, don't pray. If you're going to pray, don't worry. If you're going to worship, don't worry. If you're, going to worship, if you're going to worry, don't worship. Here is how concerned the sovereign, eternal God is about you. God is concerned about every detail in your life. Wow. You mean tell me that the eternal, sovereign God who created everything, seen and unseen, is concerned about every detail of my life? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And that's why prayer has to be a continuous process in the life of the believer. Because when you understand that prayer, oh, this is going to bless you real good, is more than communication with God, it's communion with God. I'm trying to help somebody right now. Prayer is more than you talking to God. It is communion with God, which means that sometimes when you pray, after you've made your request known, after you've done it with the spirit of thanksgiving, after you've said, God, this is what I need, sometimes you need to shut up and be silent. As the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you need to just dwell in the silence of God. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Turn off your computer. Don't have me. Dwell in the silence. And I would dare say that, unfortunately, in this age of ADD, ADHD, we don't do well with silence, which is why we can't hear from God. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta turn off that background noise and allow for the very presence of God to consume you. So, because watch this, because prayer is your individual opportunity to enter the presence of God. And when you really pray, you ain't going to worry. And, 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 and you, 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 you are savvy enough and smart enough and intelligent enough to know that when you pray, you ain't informing God. <laughs> you ain't letting God know something that God already doesn't know. 
He's just waiting to hear from you. He already knows what you're dealing with. He's just waiting to hear from you. Because guess what? This becomes an opportunity for you to really engage in devotional worship through a life of prayer. Ah, let me. And, and, and so with this, Paul says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, spirit, attitude of thanksgiving, let God know specifically what you need. And the peace of God which goes beyond or surpasseth all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Ooh, this is where it gets real, real good right now. Watch this, watch this, watch this. <laughs> that when I pray, when I come with the spirit of thanksgiving, when I'm making a petition to the Lord and I'm giving God specific requests, Paul says that God is going to give me not worldly peace, but God's peace. And God's peace goes beyond all human understanding. Let me say that God's peace goes beyond all human understanding. When, when, when you have God's peace, folks are wondering how is it that you're able to maintain your sanity when all hell is breaking loose in your life? Because you got God's peace. When you have God's peace, folks are wondering, how is it that you're able to function in the midst of dysfunction? Because you got God's peace, folks are able. How is it that you're able to perambulate through confusion in your life? Why? Because you got God's peace. It goes beyond all human understanding. Because when humans look at you, they think you should be falling apart. And the peace of God is doing two things. Watch this. It is it's, it's, it's guarding your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now, 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 now the word guard, the word guard here is a military term. It's like a, uh, uh, it's like a fortress. Uh, it's like a fortress. It's like, it's like soldiers assigned to watch over the capital. I mean, certain areas. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, like, it's like the Lord is sending the National Guard to your rescue to keep your heart and your mind. That's your emotions as well as your thoughts. So, so, so here, comes, here comes God's National Guard. I wonder where they were last Wednesday. Here come God's National Guard to guard your emotions and to guard your thoughts. Oh, now watch this. Watch this. Because this is where it gets good. This is where it gets good. Through Jesus Christ. So watch this. So, 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 so God sends guards to protect your thoughts as well as your emotions. And, and watch this. And Jesus becomes the filter. I'm teaching better than y'all saying amen. I'm getting happy off of my own teacher. Watch this. As, as when you worship God, when the Lord is keeping your mind, you ain't got to worry about your mind being twisted or divided or corrupted. When you spend time worshiping God in your prayer life, 
God gives you peace. And that peace that God gives you, guess what? It surpasses all understanding, which means it becomes mind-blowing. That's why the Jews greet each other with these terms, shalom. What a wonderful way to greet someone. Shalom. What a constant reminder of God's peace. Shalom. What better way to remind you that God is with you when it said shalom? Because God wants us to have the peace that goes beyond all understanding, which basically means I can be sick and still have a smile on my face. God's peace. I can be going through hell and still shout hallelujah. God's peace. I can have a sense of joy. It's like the songwriter said, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Why? Simply because of the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding. This is what I want to bless somebody with quick, fast, in a hurry. God will not only give you peace before the storm. God will give you peace in the storm. God will give you peace after the storm. And then when the next storm come around, God will give you peace to endure that. If you're going to worry, don't worship, don't pray. But if you're going to pray and worship, I want to encourage you not to worry. Because God's peace is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And then notice, notice what, 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 Paul, what Paul tells us to do in, in verse 8. Finally, brethren... Oh, my brothers and sisters, whatsoever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, or of good report. Ah, let me see if I can break this down for you. Whatsoever things are true, we know that when Paul says whatsoever things are true, he is talking about the opposite of false. The opposite of dishonest. The opposite of unreliable. Okay? So when Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever things are true. My God, I, I really wish that some of our citizens would take this to heart. <laughs> um, and, and, and understand that what has been perpetuated by 46 minus 1 ain't true. Whatsoever things are true, that's opposite of dishonest and unreliable. Whatsoever things are noble, that's dignified and worthy of respect. Whatsoever things are just, that, that, that basically means conforming to God's standards. Whatsoever things are pure, that's wholesome, not mixed with moral impurity. Whatsoever things are lovely, uh, that, that is basically talking about promoting peace rather than confusion and conflict. And whatsoever things are a good report, um, right here, this is where Paul is talking about what is positive and constructive rather than what is negative and destructive. Okay? Paul is saying these things, these things uh, are to be where you drop anchor and meditate. 
Now, let, let, me, let me continue to, to unpack this. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, good report. Uh, Paul gives a list of things that ought to produce positive character in the life of the believer. Paul is saying, whatsoever things are true, he is saying, it is the knowledge of truth that frees us. We should not be so focused on the false and the deceptive, because guess what the false and the deceptive does? The false and the deceptive will cause us to worry. The false and the deceptive produces a false sense of peace or it produces anxiety and worry. Whatsoever things are noble. Paul is saying we should not be engaged in degrading thoughts. That we should be respectable and honorable. Whatsoever things are just. That we should make sure that our thoughts are laden with righteousness by both God's standards and human standards. That causes you to be harmless to people. Then Paul says, whatsoever things are pure. In other words, Paul is saying, don't engage in perverted thinking. Okay? Because how you think is how you live. Paul says, whatsoever things are lovely. In other words, gracious and kind. And then Paul says, whatsoever things are of good report. In other words, Paul is saying, don't be engaging in slander. Don't be engaging in false witness. If the talk ain't good, listening to it will plant bad thoughts in your mind. And next time when someone is telling a joke or telling something that is ill and not of God, you might just need to give them the deuces. Why? Because it impacts your thinking. Now, here's, here is the blessing of this particular verse. If there's anything virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Paul is saying, you're not a Christian because you say it. You are a Christian because you live it. Everything that we just mentioned, true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, can lead to righteous living that will have people singing praises to God about your life. In other words, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not only in my ability or capacity to quote scripture. It's not in my ability or capacity 
to give you good savings. It's my ability and capacity to live the way that Jesus would have for me to live by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit in my life. Which is, <coughs> which is why when crazy thinking comes into our mind, we got to take those thoughts captive. We got to give that stuff to the Lord. Because if you don't learn how to take that stuff captive, negative thinking, give it to the Lord, your lifestyle ain't going to be pleased to the Lord. As a man or a woman thinketh, so is he or she. When we start, watch this, thinking righteousness, we start living righteousness. And the image of Jesus Christ will produce things that are praiseworthy in our lives. That's why Paul says what? Meditate. Meditate. That's what meditate means. Think on these things. Meditate. Meditate. Play it over and over in your mind. Meditate. Meditate. All right. Uh, so, Paul has admonished me not to worry. Paul has admonished me to bring things before the Lord with the spirit of thanksgiving. Paul has also told me to watch this. Meditate on true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good reports. Told me to meditate. Think on these things. And then Paul wants me to also get how these things that you have learned, your mind, received, apply, heard, and see in me or saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, you got to take what you've learned and now work it. Faith without works is dead. You got to take what you've learned and apply it. Instruction without application means nothing. You got to take what you learn, use what you got so that God can get the glory. The Christian life involves not only proper thinking, but proper doing. The Philippians knew who Paul was. The Philippians knew how Paul lived his life. They looked at him. They saw him. They saw how he navigated his life. They saw how he was a witness for Jesus Christ. And they saw after all he said and done, how he lived his life among them. Paul, after Jesus, was probably the most influential person in the New Testament era. But he really demonstrated what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They had seen some powerful preaching. They had witnessed Paul work miracles. They saw Paul uh, um, lovingly correct the Philippian church. But your power comes when folks see your words 
and your deeds in line. Your power comes when folks see you're not only talking the talk, but you're walking the walk. The word that people received about Paul when he was away from them was the same way they saw Paul act when he was with them. So guess what? Remember, Paul established churches in Ephesus and Galatia and Colossae, uh, all over Asia Minor. And, and the folks from Colossae could tell the folks at Philippians, yep, that's how he is. And the folks at Corinth could tell the folks at Ephesus, yep, that's how Paul is. In other words, his life had congruency with his words. You can't listen to no person preach or teach about the danger of, 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 of drinking and they standing before you drunk. <laughs> you ain't going to listen to them. Our way of living speaks volumes before we ever open our mouths. So Paul says, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me do. If you want to be faithful, you got to live faithful. I remember when, when, when I was in um, junior high and high school, and we used to, I used to play basketball, and of course we practiced every day. And I remember one of the captains on, on our team, you know, he would call us to practice and say, well, you know, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. That was his mantra. Practice makes perfect. Coach Ross was going like, no, son, that ain't right. Practice don't make perfect. He says perfect practice makes perfect. So guess what? You can practice stuff wrong. And I want to dare say that's probably what has happened in a lot of churches. We've been practicing stuff wrong. God has corrected us because perfect practice makes perfect perfect. They saw how Paul lived his life. Paul became a model for them. And this is how Paul says. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. He was trying to imitate Christ. So this is how we apply to our lives. And then, and then Paul says, listen, if you do what I've taught you, if you do what you've gotten from me, if you apply what you've heard from me, if you live what you have seen in me, God will give you peace. Let me say that again. God will give you peace. The peace of God comes when you live according to the word of God. The peace is available to every person who is willing to live according to the word of God. And guess what? Our living 
starts with our thinking. Our living starts with our behavior. Thinking influences behavior. Behavior influences action. And your action sets the atmosphere for the peace that God wants to bring your way. Because if your thinking is right, your actions are going to be right. So guess what? Proper thoughts leads to proper action that leads to God's peace. Which then, if you're doing proper thinking, engaging in proper action, and having God's peace, you have no room for worry. Notice I didn't say for concern, but you have no room for worry. What's the difference between concern and worry? The difference between concern and worry is this, is that when I'm concerned about something, I make a proper assessment of a situation, good, bad, or indifferent, and then I come up with a plan to deal with it. Worry is when I meditate on whatever negative that potentially can happen and I get stuck. And when I get stuck, I can't even address it. But when you have the peace of God, worry runs against that national guard <laughs> that God has placed around your emotions and your mind that prevents you from being all that God wants you to be. Well, this is our lesson for today. Um, if I want to check and see if there are any questions, and we see there are not any questions as far as this broadcast is concerned. And so I, I'd like for you to read next week Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through the end of the chapter. And we will probably do this in two parts, but we look forward to um, talking about the generosity that Paul experiences because of the Philippian church. Well, thank you for your time and your attention. It is my hope and prayer that words have been shared where you can apply these words to your life to become uh, a disciple for Jesus Christ. As we prepare to close out this time of Bible study, if you're watching us right now, I want you to know that your generosity, your graciousness and giving continues to have a positive impact on the work and the ministry and the mission that we do at St. Paul. As I say on Sunday morning, I say right now, if you've lost your job, you've been furloughed, you've been laid off, you don't have any significant income coming in, I do not expect for you to give. However, for those of us that are still working, this is where the strong can bear the infirmities of the weak, and I want to encourage you. You can even give right now. If you so desire to give, you can mail a check to the church, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Mail your check or money order to the church, or you can drop off cash at the church. Just call the church, 704-334-5309, to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. We'll place it in the safe and it'll be counted 
on the following Sunday. Or you can go to our website and give through ACS or Givelify. Or you can give on your smart device through the app called Givelify. And so if you want to give for Bible study, there's a place where you can do that even now. And so um, I want to thank you in advance for your graciousness and for your generosity. So at this time, let's close out in prayer. And um, I hope and pray that you have a wonderful, blessed rest of this week. God, we come and we thank you and we pray that you will empower us to take what we've learned, apply it to our lives so that we can become more like Jesus. Thank you for the writings of Paul to his friends at Philippi that is so apropos to help us to deal with worry. Now, God, in the name of your son, Jesus, if you would, in your strong, sovereign um, way, um, help us to know that we can bring our request before you and you will deal with it according to your will. God, we lift up right now our country that is so divided. Only you can bring the peace, uh, the real peace that we so desperately need. We lift up our governmental officials, oh God, that you would keep them from hurt, harm, and danger in these chaotic times. I lift up, oh God, the St. Paul Church. Help us continue to do your work and be a beacon of life, light, and love in this community, in this city, in this state, in this country, yes, even this world. And now, God, if you would dismiss us from this moment of study, never from your presence, keep us in your sovereign care. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, God bless you. Do me a favor. Continue to wash your hands, wear your mask, practice social physical distancing, check on each other via phone call, text message, and be safe. God bless you.